is really what we're talking about today. As we come to an end, we have one more week, as I said, in this Sermon on the Mount. And as we come to the end of the sermon, um, Jesus comes back around and he actually gives us this warning. It's this warning and he says, you know what? You can live your whole life being a religious person and you can think that I know you. Did you hear that? Not that you know me. You can think that I, Jesus, know you because you've done a lot, because you did Santa's wish list, because you proclaimed Jesus, because you gave a lot of money, or you sacrificed time. And Jesus gives this sober warning, but it's not, but lo, yea, verily, you didn't do enough. You weren't spiritual enough. It's, I didn't know you. I didn't know you. My purpose, Jesus says, is to do the will of the Father. And what is that will? It is to lavish the love he has lavished on me to the world so that it might know him. Hear these words from Jesus. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven... On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we step again back onto that mountain this time very sobered by this warning at the end of your sermon. We ask, Lord, that you would come into our hearts and show us who you are, that we might abide in your love and share your love. Teach us, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, one of the things we have done as a staff over the years is we have done personality profiles. Have you guys done that in the past? Like, they're really amazing things. Like sometimes schools have you do it, you do it at work, and we've done it as a team and we've done it as a staff. Uh, and it's really helpful. Like it helps you understand the people that you're working with. It helps them understand you. You get to communicate better together and all of that. But the reason that it's so helpful is because at least with regard to me, it is stunningly accurate. Like, shockingly accurate. You read all of the character traits and qualities and personality quirks and whatever about yourself, and even the things that you really wish were not true, yeah, they're spot on. Are they not? I mean, they're, they're dead on true. And I remember years ago, my wife was reading a book on personalities, and she was trying, I think, to help understand our kids a little bit better. And I could hear her just like gut laughing in the other room. And I mean, this is not a funny book, you know, and I know that this is the book that she's reading. So I'm thinking, what in the world is going on in the other room? So I go in the other room, and she's sitting there in bed reading, and she's laughing, and then she starts to read to me about my personality. And in the book are super specific examples of exactly what somebody with my personality does. And I've done all of them. It was scary. The book's like, this is not the right person to send out to trim the bushes and trees because he's just going to cut it down to the ground, you know? So like he doesn't have to do it again for another year. That is exactly right. 
And that's even the reason I do it. Like one of the things we've learned over the last 27 years together is uh, on the extremely rare occasion that I'm found with clippers in my hands, she needs to supervise or she's going to be left with palm trees with one palm frond because I couldn't get it. You know, like that's it. And the other thing that I thought was really kind of helpful, actually insightfully helpful, was it, it talked about people with my personality. It said, you know, it's really good. It's really helpful. I might even say needful, but... Anyway, if when you come to us with a story, you, you start with the bottom line and then you tell us the story. You know, so, you know, the mechanic came by and he was looking at, you know, whatever the air conditioning system or something like that. And man, it looked scary. And la, 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 la. listen, just tell me it was 45 bucks. Okay. Cause otherwise I'm freaking out the whole, like I'm calm out here, but in here I'm thinking to myself, how is this story going to end? And is this story going to end? You know, like. <laughs> It's a little of both. And my mother-in-law, who now has dementia, but before she did, um, she was famous for this, like just the long, meandering, where is it going story. And she reserved them, I think, just for me. And she only told them to me as I'm walking out the door, which is awful. Like it was just cruel and vicious on her part. So I'd be going somewhere and I'm the, you know, 10 minute early person and, and so I've calculated my route and I know if I have to stop and pick something up, I've factored that into my time schedule and I'm leaving just at exactly the right moment and she'll catch me in the kitchen and go, hey Tom, you know, I've been meaning to talk to you about, and inside I'm going, ha, 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 ha. And by the way, she and I totally love each other and get along. Like I know some people have issues with their mother-in-law. That has never actually been the case for me. I am the only person in the family who can actively and openly make fun of her and she laughs and we laugh and she makes fun of me so it goes both ways. But I devised a system by which I could say to her, you know, can we cut to the chase? So here's the whole system. She says, Tom, can I talk to you? I stop inside. I'm freaking out. But out here, I'm calm because, I mean, she's my mother-in-law. And then she launches into the story, and then the whole system is this. I would just say to her, um, should I sit down for this? And she knew that meant get to the point, which she would do. So here's the deal. If you have my personality or if you just listen to that really sober passage of Scripture from Jesus, and like out here, you're pretty cool. But in here, you're kind of going, holy cow, man, what was that? I'm going to give you the bottom line up front, okay? And then we're going to talk about it, and maybe it'll help you relax at least incrementally. So the bottom line for today is this. It is that followers of Jesus, and wait for it because I worked on this, follow Jesus. Makes sense, right? Followers of Jesus follow Jesus. So here's what follower of Jesus never do. They never say, I am a follower of Jesus, and then never follow Jesus, even if at times it looks like maybe they did follow Jesus for a season of time in their lives. It's like Sunrise Boulevard and Federal Highway. And if you're from Fort Lauderdale and you routinely drive that road the way that I do, this is immediately going to make sense to you. If you're going to go on a cruise and you've never been here before and you're just visiting, let me help you with this, okay? So Federal Highway runs north and south through Fort Lauderdale, except for about a mile, where it converges with Sunrise Boulevard, at which point, if you're coming from the north, right, Sunrise and Federal at that point go west for about a mile, at which point then it diverges from Sunrise, and it goes south 
and sunrise keeps going west. I think what Jesus is saying is, look, in the last day, there are going to be people who claim to have followed me, but they didn't follow me. They just kind of merged with me for a while, and here's the moment of truth. It's when I went south, because I'm Federal Highway, and they looked down Federal Highway and they saw taillights. And they listened at the direction of Federal Highway South and they heard sirens. And Google Maps started blowing up on their phone going, no, 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 don't do this. This is going to mess up your whole day or your week or your month or maybe even your life. And so they just kept going west. And then here's what they never did. They never turned around. Followers of Jesus follow Jesus. Now, and I think it's important for you to hear this. Followers of Jesus don't follow Jesus perfectly. They don't follow Jesus like always consistently. There are times when our path and his path, you know, and we're running along, going west on federal and or sunrise, depending on the choice you make when it diverges, okay? And we get to that choice and we look down federal highway and we're like, not this time, Lord. You know, I mean, taillights, sirens, Google Maps is saying, bad idea. And it's pretty reliable, Google Maps, incidentally. So I'm going to keep going west. And they keep going west. But here's what happens. At some point, the pain in here of leaving Jesus behind in traffic is greater than the presumed pain of just being with him in traffic. It's like at some point I so miss him that I'm willing to be in traffic if I can be with him than if I just keep going west. And that point might happen in Andrews Avenue, you know, which is like a half mile down the road. Great, they turn around. Maybe it's university. Maybe it's the Everglades. Maybe you get to the Everglades, you're like, nope, still going west. You get on an airboat, you start shooting across. Somewhere then you turn around or you get to Naples and you're like, no, I'm going to keep going. I'm I'm going through Naples. I like Naples. There's a great restaurant there. You pass right through. Maybe you turn around then or you get on a boat. Now you're out in the Gulf. The point is not the when. The point is that it happens. Followers of Jesus follow Jesus. And Jesus doesn't just say that to us here in this part of his Sermon on the Mount. He says it in other places too. I'm going to give you just a few of the places that he says it because I think it's kind of like color commentary on what he's saying in his Sermon on the Mount. And so, for example, Jesus says this in John 15, verse 14. He says, you are my friends. Translation, you are people who are doing life intimately together with me if you do what I command. And so when I command you to go left on federal and you see taillights, you go anyway. Luke 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and then keep it. Even when the word of God says, South on federal, and all you hear coming from that direction are sirens. John 14, verse 12, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, that is to say, whoever has this authentic faith, and in the end is not rejected, but received, will do the works that I do. And hey, Jesus is saying, today I'm working down in Hollywood. And here's how we're going to get to Hollywood. We're going to go south 
on federal, even though Google Maps is blowing up and saying, you know, the tunnel is closed and, and, and federal is a nightmare and the best way to get to Hollywood is to go west on sunrise and then to get on I-95, which has its own traffic issues. But at the moment, Google Maps is saying it's a preferable route and then you can go south down to Hollywood, you know, and then you can come back east again and you're going to save 33 minutes and 28 seconds. If you do that, that's a much better way to go. Jesus is like, no, listen, I'm, I'm turning. I'm going south on federal. And that's what following me looks like. It means, at times, sitting with me in a car in traffic. Because it's not just about the destination, it's about the journey with me. And I have stuff for you in the taillights of life. I work amidst the sirens. And I'm wiser than Google Maps. And you're like, yeah, but when I get to that moment where it's like I'm looking down the road and going, eh, that doesn't look good, and... Google Maps or life or somebody is presenting me with a what seems in that moment like a better option. Where do I, like, what motivates me in that moment to go south? And the answer to that is simple. And if you think it through, and I'm not going to give you a bunch of time to do that, like, you'd come up with it on your own. But, but the answer in that moment is love. Love's the motive. Loves the passion. It's the only thing strong enough to make us go, oh, all right, I'll go south. Because I love Jesus. Because I can't bear the agony of not being with him because I trust him. Because he's proven. Jesus tells us that too. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Why will you keep his commandments? Well, because you love him. Yeah, but what is it about love? Well, what love does is it makes you want to keep his commandments. People do crazy things for love. I mean, I've talked about this in the past, but like you have done crazy things for love. You have things that no sane person outside of love would ever do. Like you did them because they're reasonable. No, they were not reasonable. You did them because they were financially responsible. No, they were stupid in terms of financial planning. But you did it anyway. I once, the true story, drove 10 hours one way. Ten hours to go on one date with Beth, got up the next day, drove ten hours back. One date. And I was a law student. I had no money. I had debt is what I had, but I had credit cards because there are companies who will just give you a card. And I thought, that's a good idea. I'll take a card. I'll take three, you know, and that's how I paid for my gas, and that's how I paid for my food, and that's how I paid to take her out, and all of this stuff. I even paid for her best friend, who had a job, <laughs> because I knew if I could win the friend, just a little dating advice for you, but seriously, does any of that make sense? That makes great sense. But it only makes sense to the person who's in love. I'm like, ah, 10 hours, whatever. I drove 10 hours both ways because I wanted to. And it was easier and better for me than, than had I not. Jesus says, if you love me, well, you'll keep my commandments and you'll keep my commandments because that will seem easy in some sense to you. You will want to do it, but the opposite is also true, for he says, for whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Now, they might travel with me for a little while, but when the moment of truth comes, when I go south, they'll go west, and it won't bother them, or at least it won't bother them enough for them to go, oh, man, I, 
you know, I got to turn around. I'm in the Everglades. There's gators. I miss Jesus and I need to go back. Which, if you think about it, means that if you're not following Jesus, it has nothing to do with obedience. Like, it's not an obedience problem. I'm just not doing enough. I need to do more. I need to do this. I need to do that. Oh, I need to get back on a, you know, because I ought to and because I have to and I feel guilty if I don't forget that. It's not an obedience problem. It's a love problem. And Jesus, I think, in this passage of Scripture that Matt Matt read from his Sermon on the Mount, more than hints at that, Listen again to what he says. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And you say, all right, well, then who will enter the kingdom of heaven? Because like, if there's a bus that goes there, that's the one I want to ticket on. Like, I want to get on the bus. That's where I want it to end. So not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So who will? Well, but the one, he says, who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, and you say, fine, then what is the will of the Father who is in heaven? Because based on what he says next, it clearly isn't what you do. And I say that because he then says, on that day, many will say to me, many, Lord, Lord, did we not do things that I've never done? I mean, amazing, miraculous things. Did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Not a few. Like our paths converged for a while, perhaps. And their argument is, look at the stuff we did. I mean, clearly we were on the same road, right? No, actually. For Jesus then says, and then I will declare to them, I never, and the next word is the key. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. What is Jesus saying? Well, if you go back to Sunrise and Federal, all right, what he's saying is, look, you traveled with me for a little while, but when I turned south and you looked south and Google Maps went, don't do that, that's a bad idea, you just went west and and then you, you never turned around. You didn't turn around at Andrews. You didn't turn around at University. You didn't turn around at the Everglades. You didn't turn around at the airboat. You didn't turn around in Naples. You didn't turn around out in the Gulf of Mexico. You didn't turn around. You, you, didn't, you didn't come back, which is not a comeback problem. It's a love problem. It's a heart problem. St. Augustine defined sin, and I'm going to give you his definition, but sin is sort of an interesting word for us today. It's sort of like a word that nobody uses anymore and everybody has its own definition. It's a great biblical word, incidentally. It's a real thing. We might want to deny that it's a real thing because that makes us feel better about ourselves, but that doesn't mean that it isn't real or that it isn't true. And I love the way that he defines it. He says, sin is disordered love, meaning it's loving things in the wrong order. You get the idea? And Jesus is saying, look, love me first. And when you love me first, when the crisis moments come and I say, you know what, I'm going south here. This is, this is what my road is. You love him enough, you'll go with him. Or at the very least, if you keep going west, that love will so afflict you that at some point you just go, oh, whatever. I'd rather be with Jesus in traffic. And you join Jesus in the traffic. I'm going to give you an example, and I can do this because she's not here today, (laughs) I hope. 
that I can do this. Um, but she is not here today, and that's my wife. So as I said earlier, my wife's mom has dementia, which is a terrible disease. I mean, I don't know if you have much experience with that or have dealt with people who have dementia, but it's, it is a truly difficult road to walk. But the truth of the matter is she's been managing her mom's life on some level for most of her own adult life. So the reality is, as we've moved through life together, as she's moved through life, and, you know, it's always been, where is my mom going to live? And she's lived with us, or she's lived across the street, or she's lived a mile away. She's, you know, well, how are we going to take care of her? Because she's blind, too, and the blindness came long before the dementia. So she can't drive, and so then what are we dealing with? We're dealing with all of her shopping. We're dealing with all of her doctor's appointments. We're dealing with all of her medications that Beth has to take and put into these little medication things. So that, you know, Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday, you get the idea. We're dealing with, she's dealing with monitoring all of the food in her refrigerator all the time because she can't see the dates and it might be expired and now she's going to eat something and make herself sick. You start working through the details of all of this stuff and it's something. We're talking about taking over completely financially, covering excess cost. We're talking about figuring out what to do with her condo and figuring out what to do with the condo association. We're talking about insurance claims. We're talking about Medicare. We're talking about Medicaid. There is a gold star, I'm convinced, in heaven for any person who makes their way through Medicaid for any other person, or maybe even if you just make it through for yourself, because it's insane. And every time you ask an expert about it, they give you a different opinion from the last expert and then the next expert, and then the next expert. It is alone enough to make you go nuts. Then it was, when does we move her from her condo, and how do we take care of that, and how does she not have so much income that she doesn't qualify for Medicaid, and now where do we put her? And now we then have to put her there, and she put her there, and moved her there. And, and, and then on top of that, it is the incessant phone calls that is the result of the disease in which your phone rings again and 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 again. I'm describing one day and again and again and again and again. I'm not even to 10 o'clock in the morning yet and again and again and again and again. Okay, we'll stop at noon and again and again to ask the same question. It's pitiful and it's difficult. But then you add to that her sister. So as many of you guys know, her sister, who's 10 years older, had a major stroke in January of this year. Uh, Permanent total disable. Um, And together with the support of this church and one person who I would identify in particular, which is always dangerous, uh, but Sabra Hall, who has really reclassified for us what a friend looks like. She's just an unbelievable friend to Joanne, my sister-in-law, Beth's sister. She's just incredible over the top. But... Together with with the support of this church and and people like Sabra and others, I mean, Beth has managed 99.8% of all of that. we got to fight for her to get this kind of care. Hey, do you think we could raise enough money to send her to, the, frankly, one of the best rehab facilities in the southeastern United States for as long as she can be there to give her as much of a chance at functionality as we can because she's 64 years old, which means she does not yet qualify for Medicare. And then she has this worthless piece of property in Tennessee that doesn't even have a street going to it, but its assessment value is a little bit higher than the largest amount you can have as an asset and still qualify for Medicaid. So let's work through that now. You get the idea? I mean, it just goes on and 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 on. 
And I would ask you, what drives her on? Because if you just look at it from a purely selfish perspective, Google Maps is freaking out right now. And I gave you the answer, so the answer is love. And the question is, for whom? Because it's not just for her mom and sister. The answer is for Jesus. What moves you on is that that's what going south on Federal Highway looks like in this season of life for her. Love's the motive. It's the game changer. It makes it go or otherwise it doesn't go or it doesn't go for long because then you just get exhausted and then you're bored and you don't feel the payoff and it's really just about you. And then it's like, ah, the next thing you know, you're going west on sunrise and you just keep going because Christianity was this thing that tried and failed. But you never really connected with the one who has made you to love him and be loved by him. We love because he first loved us. When that love captures us, then we love. And we don't stop. Followers of Jesus follow Jesus. Martin Luther put it this way, and you know this to be true. When I say it, you'll go, yeah, that's right. He says a religion, a faith, is what he's talking about, that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing, is ultimately worth nothing. Isn't it? He's right. So followers of Jesus follow Jesus, and they follow him when the traffic is going smooth, and praise God that there are seasons of life in which that's true, we're to all like super thankful for, and you know, the traffic makes us more thankful for when it moves quickly. But they follow him through the traffic too, and they realize that in the traffic, they're with him. Sort of like driving 10 hours to go on a date, you know? Do I get to be with her? Yep, all right. Sign me up. Love's the difference maker. So with that in mind, as we prepare our hearts to come to the Lord's table in a few minutes, I want to ask you a couple of questions. And the first question is simply this, do you know Jesus? And I say that because what he's inviting you into, like with this scary sounding and sober warning that Matt read to us today, he's not inviting us into fear. Just like he's not inviting us to now go out and try to prove that we're, you know, part of the deal and maybe if I do this and I do that, then God will accept me. And No, 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 no. He's inviting you into love. He's inviting you into a relationship with himself where you come as you are. By the way, he already knows the condition you're in anyway, and you just come confessing it. And you find in him a love that you're not going to find anywhere else, a forgiveness that no one else can offer, a newness of life that nothing else will bring, a power, the life of God within you that you can't buy and you can't manufacture and you can't purchase by being a good person. It just doesn't work that way. He fills you with himself, and as you grow in your relationship with him and fall deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in love with him, here's how it works. You discover that your capacity to stay in the traffic with him, to make the left turn when that's the direction he's going as opposed to going straight, because that just seems easier, well, that capacity grows too. 
So do you know Jesus? Secondly, are you following Jesus right now or are you somewhere in the Everglades? You know, or maybe just at Andrews. I mean, it could be at Andrews. But are you following Jesus now or are you on a road of your own? And here's the cool thing. Like, no matter how far you've gone, okay, now I'm in the Everglades. Okay, now I'm in Naples. Okay, now I'm out in the Gulf of Mexico. Here's where the analogy I've used breaks down. Because when you turn around, you don't have to come all the way back to Naples and then across the Everglades and then across Sunrise and now I'm on Federal and I've got to look now for Jesus. And it doesn't work that way. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. What does a good shepherd do? Well, he lays down his life for his sheep. But in addition to that, he takes the 99 and he pens them up safely in the sheepfold. And what does he do? He goes after actively the one who has strayed away. So what I'm saying is, if you're in the Gulf of Mexico and you turn around to come back to him, he's right there. And he's not like this. He's like this. It's like, bring it in. Come on. I've been waiting for this. Following you around. Chasing you down. I'm here in the Gulf of Mexico in a boat with you. And because I'm Jesus, the seas are calm. So just know that. You're welcome. Bring it in, my son or daughter. (laughs) I've been waiting for this moment with you. And then lastly, I would ask you, what are you doing to cultivate your love for Jesus? Here's the truth of the matter. Uh, Most of us here, all of us to some degree, just don't have time for Jesus. That's not an obedience problem. That's a love problem. We're too busy with what? And how is it more important? All of the things that we cultivate our love relationship with anyone require time. They require commitment. They require effort. They require energy. Personal worship, corporate worship, what we're doing now, living intentionally and purposefully in community with other Christian people who can help us and we can help them. Finding out how it is that we're wired and gifted and so that we can actually be used of God to do things that matter for all of eternity. It's amazing. We all know the Great Commission. Jesus says, you know, go into the world and make disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. What does he say next? He says, and lo, I am with you. What what that means is in the going and in the doing of that, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You're like, Jesus, where are you? He's like, I'm feeding the homeless on Tuesday night. Why don't you join me? I'm, I'm doing foster care with kids. Come on. I'm on mission. That's my highway. (laughs) Get on my highway and come with me. And there will be some taillights and sirens and I don't know, you know, Google Maps won't like it. Just put your phone away. Sometimes, and sometimes it's just awesome. But even in the taillights, it's a joy. Why? Because you're with him. Sometimes that's what brings you closest to him.